found us on Facebook or if you have not found us on the web or if you've not found our podcast, I'd recommend that you would find those things. Last Sunday night, I believed um, I had a thought that could really help most of us. And uh, with translation, it's a little hard to, you know, preach that when you're, you're pausing back and forth. But the, the general thought is there. It's, it, it's the story of the woman who asked for crumbs. If you remember that story, and if you haven't heard the sermon yet, I'd encourage you to go find it on our podcast. It's also on our webpage, Pentecostalflame.org, and the sermons. You can go there and archive our sermon. I really believe it's one of those thoughts that, that could help change you. And it was this. The woman, at, the woman that came in that day said, Jesus, um, my daughter needs this miracle. And the Bible said Jesus didn't even listen to her. And then pretty soon his disciples turned and said, just send her away. And Jesus looked at her and said, "Um, what do I have to do with you? And called her a dog. Called her a dog. The The woman began worshiping Jesus, and then something happened. And she said, true, Lord, you're right, I'm nothing. I asked for this big miracle, and it isn't happening. You're right, God. I I don't deserve it. I'm not qualified for it. But then she simply said, but even the dogs enjoy the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And Jesus turned to her and said, never have I found such great faith. Okay? See, we, we will never experience the big things of God or the, the, the deep things of God until we can start celebrating the little things of God. If you, if you don't start appreciating the little changes that God has done in your life, there's no way you'll appreciate the big changes. And in fact, you almost make it impossible for God to do anything until you can learn to celebrate the little bit, the incomplete. I, I, I gave them assignment. They had to start at Genesis chapter 1 where God looked on the face of darkness and he looked upon the face of um, the deep and he looked where there was nothing and God said, let there was light, let there be light. And then God stopped, didn't do anything else, took the day, rest of the day off and he said he saw the light and it was good. That was it. He didn't have anything else but God wanted to lay down a principle. If you can start celebrating the little things, God can start um, allowing you to receive even the bigger things. And so it's up on our podcast. Um, most of that message, anyway, um, is up there. I'd encourage you to go listen to it and become a celebrator of the little things. You know, one of the most frustrating things as a pastor is for people that have genuinely come in contact with God and God begins to do a work, and yet they're still complaining that they don't have everything. I'll be even more honest. They're saying, well, pastor, I got this sin in my life. I'm like, yeah, but look at the hundred things that God's delivered you from. Celebrate those things, and God will do more for you. Until you can appreciate the little, God can't trust you with the big. So that, and that's, it's a principle that I really want you to start living by. You need to be able to step back at the, at, at the, at the incomplete and say, God, thank, thank you. I don't have everything yet, but I'm going I'm to appreciate you for this. So in that same thought, um, again, you can listen to it on our podcast. It's, um, it was put up, I don't know when, uh, probably Monday or maybe even Sunday night yet, um, put up on our podcast there. And I encourage you to listen to that. John chapter 4, verse number 10 is where you're going. In that same thought, um, I, I want to I step back a little bit, just in case maybe you missed some things. You know, you might have been walking with God now for a number of years or maybe even decades. And I, just, I want you to go back and do an inventory check and, and say, Make sure you got everything you were promised. I want you to be able to step back a little bit and examine um, everything. John chapter 4, verse number 10. Uh, I have lost my glasses. Um, I don't don't know if they're lost. I think I know where they're at. Um, They're back in Storm Lake. I'm going to have to, I'm getting to the age now, I'm just going to put a set of pair of glasses in about everywhere that I am. Put one on my desk, put one in the pulpits, put, put one at home by my chair, just... I'm going to end up being that person, you know, that has one up here, has one clipped here, has one hanging out of their pocket going, where's my glasses at? <laughs> on my head, or clipped here, over here, three or four pairs on. Okay, Jesus in John 4.10 said this. He said, Jesus answered and said unto her, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou would have asked of him and he would have given thee living 
waters. If we would only know, if we would only know to ask, if we would only know who it is that we serve. I, I don't I do not want you to get out of here tonight without truly looking at yourself and say, have I asked for everything I need? Here's one thing I know about God. God has not canceled your free will. You have the ability, again, to receive or embrace things from God, and you have the ability to reject things from God. You have that power. You can say, I want all of it or I want part of it. I want everything God has for me, or I only want a few things that God has for me. You have, you have that ability. Now, I would be very careful if you're one of them picky eaters like me, where you just kind of picking things and say, I only want this, and I want this, um, because the end of that road may not look too favorable for you. I, I, I really want to live such a life where I just say, God, I want it all. I mean, I don't, I, I even said, when I first came into this thing, I told you and asked my wife, I said all the time, I want it all, including walking on the water. I mean, if Peter can do it, I want to do it too. And then, I, then somebody started talking about God translating people and just moving them. I mean, picking them up and just moving them from one place. I'm like, I never thought about that. God, I want that too. That would have been really good. I'm so tired. That would have been good this, this, this afternoon when I got off work just to say, God, just take me home. I mean, to, to my house. That's, my wife's up here. No. <laughs> <laughs> I am one of them that are really looking forward to this self-driving car. I'm really looking forward to that. I'm serious. I've got too many things to do. Uh, I, can't, I can't waste it driving. I mean, I just got to get in and say, you know, my wife told all the men when we went on men's trip not to let me drive. Don't you let Pastor drive. He can't drive very good. He can't see very good. He's getting old, get tired. And so then I got to listen to them all the way. Like, it's my turn to drive, Pastor. It's my turn to drive. It's my turn to drive, Pastor. It's my turn to drive. Fine, here's the keys. Drive. Cost me a $79 ticket. Because somebody else going to drive my car and a camera's going to take a picture. I'm driving from here on out. But I'm going to give me one of them self-driving cars where I can read the paper and look at Facebook and do all those other important tasks in life, take a nap. But I, I, I truly, honestly, the point of the lesson tonight is we're going to be talking about new life. I want to make sure you know the gift that God is giving you. I want you to understand who it is that's giving it to you. Verse 11 goes on to say this. The woman saith unto her, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast that living water? Why do we spend so much time trying to figure it out instead of just embracing it? Why do we spend so much time trying to calculate it and say, well, well, if I was God, then it would have to look like this, and if I was God, I would fix it in this order, and I told, I told to a lot of people, can you imagine God opening us up on a surgery table and finding our body full of the, the cancer called sin and then saying, okay, now I need to work on this organ first so that this organ don't get hurt and then I can do this and do that. He understands exactly what you need, when you need it, and how you need it. If we would just truly trust him, he would be able to really work on all that needs to be fixed. I find quite often, this is the reason I'm stressing in case you're trying to figure out what the pastor's talking behind the scenes. I, quite, I find it off, um, often, quite often uh, in, in my pastoral ministry, I, I find people that are so quick to change the outside but never work on the inside. And they'll go years or decades with hidden things that, that Jesus hasn't fixed yet. And, and we're looking at them saying, well, they, they're a model of Christianity. They've got this perfect relationship. They've got this down. And deep down, there are things that have to come out. Okay. Now, I'm not one going to tell God how he has to work on me. He just got to work on me. Some things are inward that's got to come out. Some are outward that's got to go away. But I'm just going to leave it up to him and start saying, instead of saying, well, how are you going to do this? I need to know all the details. I need to know your plan. Listen, if I could figure out God, then I would be equal with God. If I could understand his plans, then somehow that would elevate myself to his level. 
You will never, the Bible makes it very clear, you will never understand God. His ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are different than your thoughts. The Bible makes that very, very clear. And so, you know, I love the fact that, that even John, the revelator, he said, I went to heaven and God showed me all these things. And he said, I can't, they're not even words to be able to explain it. And I told you that one of, one of my moments, if, I, if I've ever experienced anxiety, if I have, I'm not saying I have because I don't know what it's like, but if I've ever come close, it was outside of uh, Sutherland, Iowa. I was driving. I was on my way over to Wells Dairy to do a job and work a job. And in my mind, I was trying to calculate what heaven would look like, Brother Don. I'm like, okay, this, the gates are this big, and they're made out of this, and I'm trying to picture, and the streets are gold, and I've heard preachers say that they're, they're almost crimson like blood, the gold and I'm trying to picture it all out. And then I'm asking stupid things. Well, can I eat ice cream there, God? And, and I'm, I'm trying to wonder if I can live next to my wife because uh, we spend so much time together and I want to be able to talk to her. I want to come back from worshiping around the throne and say, did you see so-and-so there? And, you know, all that. Stuff. And she's the only one that would get me. And so I, I'm really, and my mind went into meltdown. I'm serious. I started panicking. And I pulled over, and I got, I can, I can, to this day I can remember, got out of the car, and I said, God, I can't figure it out. I don't know what heaven's going to be like. And I started crying and everything, and, and, and I, just, I just felt this sweet voice, not an audible voice, but just a sweet presence just whisper in my ear and say, Son, um, it's not that I'm keeping anything from you. It's just impossible to describe on your level with your language what it's like. And so then this peace just hit hit me, and I just I fell into the back into the seat, and I just w- cried and worshipped and thank God. I mean, people thought of probably having a heart attack or something zipping by me. That, but I, I've, I've come to understand that God doesn't think like me and that, that some things that are God doing are just unexplainable. He just can't explain them to you. There's no way you would even comprehend why you're going through the stuff you're going through in the order of the things you're going through. God just cannot explain it to you. So you really don't have the ability to even understand. And, and so we just need to get to the point where we say, God, whatever. Watch this, verse number 12, and, and she starts questioning him. She says, are you greater than my father Jacob, or which gave us this well and drank thereof himself and his children, his cattle? Um, I, 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 really, I, I really look at this generation, and, and I've got to ask you to stop comparing us to God or stop ex- comparing um, what your relationships were like with what your relationship is like with God or or, or maybe you've had uh, um, someone mistreat you and somehow you've uh, attributed that to God or maybe you had a bad relationship, maybe a bad marriage, maybe maybe a bad father, or maybe you just, life has just dealt you a, a bad deck of cards and, and, and somehow you want to relate that to God or, or God, are you really better than this problem or this person or this thing? I'm trying to show you where some of your hang-ups are. I'm trying to show you where some of your problems are. You, you will never think like God, and to compare God to anybody ever in your life that it was either good to you or bad to you is wrong. This is why you can't get it. This is why it's a struggle for you. This is why you can't comprehend why would he love me because no other man has loved me. Or why, why does he even care because nobody's ever cared for me in my life. Or why, why is he this or why is he that. I, I, I'm really going to work on your mind tonight a little bit is where we're going to start looking about. Um, we cannot confine God to that type of thought. I told the church last night, we're talking about who, who do you say God is or who do you say Jesus is. Can, can you imagine a God that fills every space and time, fills all the universe? He always was, always is, and always shall be. Every place is God. Every time is God. In fact, God even exists outside of time. People always ask that strange question, what, who created God or or, or when's the beginning of God? Or, or, or you know, when did God come into existence? Well, see, that that's really kind of defines our finite mind. God lives outside of time. He existed, always has existed, always will exist, exist, and he spoke time into existence. So from his perspective, he said, I want to know if there's a creation that will worship me. And the only way that we're going to find out is I give them time to exist in. And whew, 
He speaks time and existence from eternity where there is no time. Mind-blowing. This, this, is why, this is why we understand when, God, when we say, God, forgive me. Um, forgive me for what I did in 1982. God says, that's no problem. I'm in 1982 right now at this very moment. And wipes it out of our past. Isn't that incredible that God could do that? And then you're saying, well, God, I don't know what tomorrow exists, what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know if I'll make it tomorrow. And God says, it's okay. I'm in tomorrow right now. From his perspective, this is why the Bible says he can work the things from the end of your life to the beginning of your life. This, this is why he calls those things or not. Because from his perspective, he is already there. That's Now, I know that throws it into tilt. I know that throws this concept of God into this big concept that it's hard to wrestle with, but it's supposed to. I don't want to worship a God that is on my level. I want to worship God that is greater than me. I want to worship a God that's greater than my problems. I want to worship a God that's greater than my addictions. I want to worship a God that has no problem with tomorrow or has no problem with my past or has no problem with eternity. That's the type of God we worship. So do you understand why you can't compare everything in your life to God? Well, God, how does God love me? No man has ever loved me before. Well, he does. It's like the whole concept of tithing. I don't get tithing. I don't understand tithing at all. You mean I can give 10% to you, God, and live off the 90 better than I can live off the 100? That doesn't make sense. And God says, prove me now wherewith. Will I not open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing where you'll be a room enough to contain? That doesn't calculate. I am an engineer. I've run the figures. It doesn't work. God says, well, it works in my mind. That's all you need to matter. Okay, works in your mind. I'll never forget when my wife first came and said, by the way, and this is not a tithing message, but my wife first came to me. She said, well, I don't even know what tithing is. My mom and dad tithed all their life. We're just going to tithe. I'm like, whatever. I was making like seven, eight bucks an hour or something, and we were starving. And I'm like, give it away. I mean, 10% of zero is still zero. Just give it to them. And so she did. And then, like, instantly I started getting job offers and pay raises. And, you know, I went from, like, $8 to $16 to $25 to $32 to $40. And I was like, wow. And then she started to write out those, you know, those big checks for time. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. It's okay to give the ten dollars when we're only making a hundred dollars a week, but now we're making ten thousand. And you, you know, I don't know about this. <laughs> Fortunately, she wears. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Fortunately, she's in church, control of the faith department sometimes. Amen. So don't try to figure it out. Let, let's go a little bit further. I guess that's the whole point of that. Verse thirteen said, and Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drink of this water shall thirst again. You know, sometimes, sometimes we just ought to let God handle it, okay? If, if, if we, uh, but let's just read verse 14. I, I, I want to put this in perspective. But Jesus said this, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Here's, here's, here's what this is saying. Jesus said, well, you can either have this or you can have this. Now, this is going to leave you thirsty. This isn't going to fix all your problems. This is going to be temporary. But if you could have this, you'll never thirst again. Why wouldn't we want this? Why wouldn't we go all in on this? Yet I see too many people selling themselves short and going for this, the one that keeps them thirsty, the one that, the one that forces them to always wonder, am I right with God or am I, in, am I doing it right? If I'm going to make it, I, I don't know. I can barely make it to Sunday to Sunday. I can, I can barely make it week to week. I can barely make it to, and God says, because you keep selling yourself short. You keep satisfying yourself with this when God said, I'm trying to give you this so that you would never be thirsty any 
more. I, I, I could stand up, and I wish I, I, I put my hand in my pocket before service, and I'm like, oh, I don't have, I'm like Peter and John. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I'll give unto thee in the name of Jesus. I wish I had like a $100 bill. I'm like, who wants this $100 bill? And you would break down your pews and knock people over. And like You'll go for that, but Jesus is standing here and says, but, but I have something greater. Why don't you reach for it? Oh, no, no, God, I'll just take a glass of water. It'll be fine. I'll make it till next week, I'm sure, and just take a drink. And by Wednesday, you're like, man, if I could just get another cup of water. I mean, Sunday was so good, but I, I can barely make it to Wednesday off of Sunday's blessing. It's because you sell yourself short. Why don't you go all in? Why, why don't you go for, for all of it so that you can walk and never be thirsty again? Here, Here's, here's what I'm really, really getting at. If you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Uh, I'm sorry, verse, verse 17, yeah. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It's interesting in that story with John, she says, okay, okay, Jesus, I'll take it. I'll take that water where I'll never thirst again. And what does he do right away when she says, okay, I'll have it. I'm going all in, whatever you have. What does he do? It's the strangest thing to me. He looks at her and says, you want this water? Yes, Jesus, I want that water. He says, cool, go get your husband. And she's like, um, um, uh, well, here's the thing, Jesus. Um, he ain't my husband. And he's, he says, thou has answered correctly. You have answered true. For you have had five husbands, and the guy that you live with now is not your husband. See, the very first thing Jesus says, I'm going to give you this water, but you've got to start being real with yourself. You've got to start being honest. You've got to start knowing where you're at. He, he didn't condemn her. He didn't, he didn't say, well, I'm going to punish you, and it's going to take you about ten years before I'm going to give you this drink of water. He said, let's deal with something that's deep inside that you're embarrassed about, that you don't want to deal with, that you don't want to confess, that you don't want to. You don't want to he said, let's just deal with that right up front. I'm going to give you this water. In fact, I'm fixing the water right now, but you've got to be truthful. So he starts turning the Holy Ghost water on, getting all ready. And he says, okay, what, where's your husband? Go get your husband. Oh, I did, uh, it's not my husband. Cool. I, I often wonder sometimes, you know, the, this verse, this chapter says that Jesus sent his disciples away. He's like, um, we're going to deal with something that's very, very real, and I don't, know, I don't need church people around to mess this up. So he just starts sending them around. You know, he just sends them away. He says, you, yeah, this is... We're going to get real here, and it's time just to one-on-one and get this out. Don't be afraid when Jesus starts pulling on some sin and starts working with some things, starts pulling on, and just starts working on you like, oh, God, I don't want you to touch that. What if people know? It's the only way you can truly drink the water that he's given. It's, and it's, he, again, he didn't say, well, I'm going to beat you up, and it's going to take you 10 years to get this water. He simply said, let's deal with the real issues here. Let's not hide behind them anymore. Let's, let's not fake it. Let's not, let's not blink and say it's over. Let's just get down to where the rubber meets the road. If you genuinely want, want what you say you want, then you're going to have to deal with some things that are been something you've been covering up for a long time. And, and here's, here's the beautiful thing about it. Um, there's no confessional booth in this church. Um, you don't have to make an appointment with the pastor. Uh, you can just get one-on-one -on -one with Jesus and say, Jesus, I, I really need to get through these things. I really need to be honest with somebody for the first time. I just, I need to figure out um, who I am and where, who, who you are. And I just got to be honest. But what, uh, um, did you find 2 Corinthians, Nathan? Are you there? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this. Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Here, here's, here's what I'm really trying to get out tonight. I want you to understand the newness of life that you have been offered. I want, I want you to enjoy the newness of life. I want you to truly understand that if you grab onto this, if you take this, if you receive this, if you embrace this newness, then old things are going to start being pulled away. And new things are going to be laid in front of you. 
But you have to embrace this. If you've been in church for 20 years and you haven't completely or fully embraced this, I encourage you to fully embrace this. Jesus is offering you something. Have you ever said, I wish I could have a do-over? I wish I could just, man, I wish I could just repeat that. I wish I, wish I could have something different. I wish I could have a life like them. I wish I, wish I could experience the things that they experienced. I wish I had a marriage like they had a marriage. I wish I had, Jesus said, that's what I'm offering you. But you got to embrace it. And you got to be willing to let go of the old things. You, you can't, I, I love Brother Near preached a couple of years ago here. He, he preached about what you call normal. You embrace something that is, is not intended for you. You embrace something that may be even different to others because it's all you know. Well, in order to experience new life, you've got to let that go. It, it's like this. This is what frustrates me. I've done so much counseling, and, 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 and people will come to me, like, like, like women will come to me and say, Pastor, I, I don't like this relationship. This guy is beating me. He's doing all this type of stuff, mistreating me, doing this horrible relationship, and he's an alcoholic, and he's all this type of stuff. And then what, what happens? You, they separate from them, and what's the first thing you do? They go find another man that drinks and beats them. and Oh, you're looking like, what is your problem? You just got out of one relationship, and you're running to the same barf because that's normal for them. That's what they expect. That's that's what they. I mean, they. I love that little. You got that little picture where where somebody's praying. Oh God, um, give me someone that treats me kind. Give me someone that that that, that understands me. Get someone. Give me someone that can talk to me. Gets and and in the meanwhile, there's this this girl praying in the back. There's a guy and she gets up from praying and and he says she she turns around and says, Oh, I'm so glad we're friends. I need a boyfriend. I'm just so glad we're friends. And the guy's sitting there going, well, wait a minute. <laughs> I, I understand you. We talk. I mean, you, you, you know what I'm, I'm talking about. I, but that's normal, you know. Someone that gets out of drug addiction, they, they panic because to them the addiction was normal. Someone stops drinking, gets out of alcoholism and that addiction, and, and they don't know what to do with themselves because they don't feel normal anymore. And, and what I'm trying to do is you've got to start changing your mind. If you want to embrace the newness or you want to embrace the new things, you've got to let go of the old things. And I know it's going to hurt, and I know it doesn't feel right, and I know, I, I trust me, I know, I know it's not, it's not easy to give up things that you define as normal. I mean, they may be hard for other people, but that's just the way you were raised. But in order to brace newness, you got to let go of old things. Verse 18 goes on to say this, and all things are of God, and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. So now we're reconciled between God. If we embrace this new night, new life, and if we let go of the old life, God says now we're reconciled. And then what he does is he turns around and gives us the ministry of reconciliation. Have you ever asked yourself what that is? The ministry of recon, uh, reconciliation uh, comes from a Greek idea or a Greek word that is really two words that are put together, and it means to exchange or to restore to divine favor. He has given us that ability. He said, "Okay, the slate is clean, cleaned white, or the, the slate is white. It's, it's clean. It's ready to go. Are you ready to go?" And then he says, "Oh, you're going to need this. You're going to need this ability to restore divine favor." You're going to need this ministry so that you have this ministry of exchanging things. You've had the power all along. You, you have this ability all along. This is why I hate the Wizard of Oz. I really do. Man, I would have gone postal. I, I, would have, I would have snapped if I was that girl. If I was Dorothy, the end of the movie would have looked a lot different after you fought monkeys and witches and all these type of things, and you've had to throw water and melting and all this type of stuff, and you get all the way to the end of the movie, and that stupid Wizard of Oz looks at you and says, Honey, you've had the power all along to go home. Just clip your heels three times. I'm like, say what? I've been walking in these things since the beginning of the movie, fighting monkeys and witches and doing all this type of stuff, and I could have gone home a long time ago. 
I, w- I would have gone crazy on that. Uh, I would have grabbed the tinsman's axe, and there would have been an Oz head coming, cutting off. Like, you could have told me that 45 minutes ago in the movie when I met you. 45 minutes ago, you could have said, I've gone home. You had the power all along. I wish I was home. I, w- I hate that movie. Oh, but in the same token, as I pastor, I, I wish I could get convinced people convinced. You've had the power all alone, all along. You have this ministry of reconciliation. You've had the ability to affect your path from the moment you said, Jesus, help me, and you became reconciled unto the God. You have had it all along. I, I get calls all the time, Pastor, what am I doing wrong? What, what am I missing? How come I'm not understanding? How come I'm not getting? I'm like, you have the power. You can click your heels it be over. Because I'm not going to sell you like I sold out Dorothy. I'm not going to do that. But you, you've got to use that ministry. You, you've got to do that. It's, it's something that you've got to embrace. Every morning if you have to, you've got to get up and say, today's another morning and I'm going to exercise this ministry of rec- reconciliation. I'm going to start exchanging things. I used to drink. Um, I used to, uh, I, I, my problem was alcohol is I used to hang out in bars and all the time. I don't go there anymore because I don't trust Doug Inger. I've exchanged that for something new. You look at me and say, well, wow, he's crazy when he worships. He looks like he's drunk when he's worshiping. He looks, absolutely. I exchanged it. I don't even want anything to do with alcohol. I've told my daughter many times, I I couldn't, you you couldn't get me to sit at Ike's. I know that we sell peanut brittle there. Don't ever ask me to bring peanut brittle into that bar. I'll make it the first time. I'll make it the second time. make it the third time. But I know if I keep pushing temptation, I'm going to fail. That's why I avoid it like the plague. I've got this ministry of reconciliation. I've got this ministry to exchange. I'm not even playing games anymore. I want the newness of life. I've left the old life behind. I'm not going to tiptoe around a bar. I hate the smell of alcohol. I used to smoke. I hate, I'm not judging you, but I can't stand the smell of smoke because I've exchanged it. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying I can't, I can't go out with you in the parking lot and light one up. I can't do it because I know better. I know how to exchange the old life for the new life. I've got this ministry. Some of you want to play games back and forth. That's why you have struggled. Listen, again, I'm not judging. I'm not really not. I'm just saying you've got to embrace the new life. You, you, you've got to receive it. You've got to understand that you have exchanged some things. Okay, I, I, help me, Jesus, because I don't want to go back. to Folks, you couldn't. I may fail as a pastor, but I will never, ever turn away from God. Because I can't go back. You couldn't bring me back kicking and screaming and dragging. You couldn't drag me back to that stuff. I don't want to go. I've experienced that. Been there, done that. And I'm not using excuses anymore. And I'm not, I, I, it is what it is. Thank you, Jesus, for reconciling us in me. And thank God for giving me the ability to exchange the ministry of reconciliation. Exchange that old life for the new. I, I, I've got a lot of things to talk about here. Verse, verse number ten, verse, verse number, verse number nineteen says this. The next verse, verse nineteen says this: To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself, imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. It is a beautiful thing, the ministry of exchanging. Here's, here's what I, I guess what I know about. I'm not concerned about how God fixes me, but when the next item comes up that's broken, i got to have the ability to exchange it. That's, that's my learning process. Whatever it is. You know, I, I'll be honest. When I first came here as your pastor, um, and, and my wife, can, can, we, can, we can have a discussion on this later on, but um, my sarcasm was like on level 10. I mean, I, I have the ability to cut anybody up instantly. I'm a firstborn. Uh, I've got all these reasons why. Uh, I, and you, you would say something. I'm like, all right, game's on. <laughs> That's right. Let's have this war exchange. And I'd go for the juggler. I mean, I have this ability just to, 
<laughs> and like, ugh. I had, start, I had a lot of people start coming, Pastor, you hurt me with your words. I'm like, they're just words. And the Holy Ghost began dealing with me about jesting and playing games and being careful with my word. And it's something that I have been willing to exchange. It's something that I, I, I'm willing to give up. It's, it's some things that say, you know what, I've been given this ministry of reconciliation. I've been given this ministry to exchange that for a different way. And I have been trying these 14 years, these 13 years that I have been here, I have been trying. My biggest prayer is, God, watch my words. Help me with my words. God, help me not to hurt with my word. Some days I win and other days I fail. But, but right now, that's what the Holy Ghost said, I'm glad you stopped drinking. I'm glad you don't smoke. I'm glad you don't look at pornography. I'm glad you got all that type of stuff. But, but Pastor Inger, let's work on this. <laughs> you know, I, I, have, uh, I had a student today. I'll be even more honest. I hope you don't listen to this. But I have a student today. Um, you know, I was teaching a class. And uh, he looked at me and he said, you know, I'm getting tired of you saying that. Because I, I, would, I would teach classes, hey, everybody go over and check this box and check this. It's a computer class. It's a programming class. I'll program this and program that. And I would teach this. And, you know, the this, this student has um, one of these abilities to not pay attention. It's like every minute or so I'd say, okay, John, did you get that? This person, did you get it? Did you get that? I won't tell him his name. Hey, back that up. I said, did you get that? Or I'd say, okay, everybody check this, and for John, I want you to double check it, or, you know, something like that. And, you know, just constantly, because I didn't, I didn't want to have to keep stopping the class and go back and get him and stop the class and go back and get him and stop the class. And after about eight, week, eight weeks so far of doing that, he finally looked at me today and said, you know, I really wish you'd stop doing that. Okay. Well, try it. You know what happened five minutes later? He raised his hand and said, I don't know where I'm at. I've already got, yes, he did. He said, I got it all messed up. And the Holy Ghost in me just said, keep your mouth shut. I, I almost climbed over the table, the desk that he was. But I, I, did, I took the long ride. I went around the media car. Oh, Jesus, give me strength to deal with this. I came right around. And sure enough, he had messed it up. But the Holy Ghost said, remember, we're working on some exchanging some things. You you think you're funny sometimes, but people don't appreciate your humor like you appreciate it yourself. I'm like, okay, okay, I'm becoming a new creature. Here, here's, oh, help me, Jesus. I, I don't want to get sidetracked, but, but let, me, let, me, let me point out something very, very careful. There is a spirit of justifying in this generation, in this world right now, where, where we're going to give you a thousand excuses why I'll never do that, therefore we'll never do it. It drives me crazy. We, uh, Tyler can relate. We were, we were um, trained in an, a group or an organization, the military, that did not accept, Brother Don, accept excuses. There was no excuse. You know, you had a 5 o'clock, 5 a.m. fire watch. There was no excuse to miss that. None. Zero. Zilp. Zitch. Zilch. Nothing. No excuse. You couldn't say, I'm sorry I slept in, but I had a bad night. I had a, ha I had a, I had a, a hangover, I was going to say. I had a headache. I had a tooth problem. I had all this type of something. Like, oh, okay, well, that makes perfect sense. I'm glad that you didn't get up and do your 5 a.m. watch or your 2 a.m. I, 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 I was E, Inger, E. I always got that 2 a.m. or that 3 a.m. fire watch. I'm like, can't you cut the list a different way? Put me at a different end instead of right in the middle of my sleep? But there's no excuse. None. There was no reason not to do a task. When, when you serve in the military, Brother Jim would know too, there's just no excuse. None. And you can't even offer an excuse. You couldn't even try to explain yourself. It was either do it or you didn't do it. There was no, yeah, but you don't understand the way I was raised, and you didn't, you didn't understand where I came up, and you don't know who my dad is, and, and you, you don't know what's going on in my life. Just None. I, did they ever give you a chance to make an excuse? No. There's, and so, I, it, it, man, I ask in class, I'm like, okay, class, I, I'm going to give you five problems, and you need to have them turned in tomorrow for your homework, and you should hear the excuses I get. I mean, it's not even my dog ate the homework anymore. Now it's things like, well, you're a horrible teacher, and I didn't understand what the assignment was, and you don't, you don't explain yourself away, and you didn't give me the answers, and you didn't read the questions to me, and you just, 
we, some of us instructors got to the point where we just stopped giving homework because they don't turn it in anyway. Because everybody's got an excuse why, why I don't do things. And, and, and I was going to pull up the scripture where, where we are without excuse. We, we've got to understand either you want something different or you don't. And if you want something different, then you fight with everything you have to accomplish that. I, I, and here's what I need to tell some of you. For the sake of your children, you, 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 I pray that you love your children enough that you don't ever want them to experience the stuff that you have experienced in your life. For the sake of your children, you're saying, I don't want them to go there because I've been there, done that, got the T-shirt, and there ain't no way my baby is going to have to go through that garbage like I've gone through. And so so for their sake, if nothing else, you offer no excuse and you say, I am going to be a new creature so they never experience what I've gone through. The excuses have gotten crazy. Well, you don't understand. I'm 25% Irish and 15% Cherokee and 30% German and I've got some of this blood in me and some of the black and that's just the way I am. Well, I'm offering, Jesus said, but I'm offering you new life. I, don't you love the fact that Jesus said, oh, you must be born again. I don't care how you were naturally born. Jesus said, I'm offering you a rebirth. I'm, I'm offering you to, well, that's the way I was born. You don't understand. That's the way I was born. Jesus said, that's cool. I'm glad that's the way you're born. Here's a chance to be born again. Here's a chance to have newness of life so that you don't have those same defects in you or have those same problems or have those same whatever genetic traits. Jesus said, I'm going to wipe the slate clean. You can just be born again. You can have a start over right now. And then when you say, well, you don't understand. My last name is Inger. And Jesus said, no, 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 your last name is Jesus. You're Doug Jesus now, and, and you don't have those old traits anymore, and that old blood is not in you, and those old genetics are not in you, and those old problems are not in you. That old condition that you had is not in you. You're brand new. I mean, that's, that's what he's offering, but he's saying you've got to embrace it. You've gotta, you can settle for this, but you're going to be thirsty again. Or he said, you can have this. And, and man, it, to me, it was worth it just to put my head down. Now, he's still changing me. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, what was this? This is 1 Corinthians chapter 5. First Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians, where am I? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6. Is this, oh, that's 19. Man, I got way up. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. 2 Corinthians 10, chapter 3. See, I don't have my glasses on. Chapter 10, verse 3. Excuses. No excuse. You're right. I got it correct now. You got it right. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 3. Watch what it says. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. See, you've been blaming it on the flesh. Jesus, I got, new, I got newness for your life. Well, you don't understand my flesh. Well, Jesus, you don't war after the flesh. Oh, but you don't know who I am. I'm German. I'm you don't know whose son I am. I'm Larry Inger's son. In fact, if I was in Norway, I'd be Doug Larson because his name was Larry. Larry's son, Larson. You just don't know who I am. He said, well, that's not your problem. Your problem's not your flesh. Watch this. Verse number four. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So we have been given this weapon. We have been given this ability to, 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 to win. But watch what he says. Verse number five. Here's where the trick is. I, I'm going to show you where your problem is. It, it, everyday point right here. That's where your problem is. It's not your flesh. Pastor, you don't understand. My flesh wants another cigarette. Okay, I understand that, but here's where your problem is. Do you, do you know that even, even Philip Morris will say that the addiction to nicotine only lasts seven days? Seven days. But, but Philip Morris will say this, but you will spend the next 17 weeks struggling with this. One week to get over the chemical dependency of, of nicotine, but 17 weeks to get rid of this. This is why if you read, I just read this right off Philip Morris' um, website. The, the, the nicotine manufacturer, he, they'll, they'll say this. They'll say, if you used to smoke after you ate or eat, and you're sitting at the dinner table, they say change your pattern. Eat standing up. Eat in the bedroom. Go to the bathroom and eat. Just do something different so your mind gets tricked to thinking that the next reaction is this. 
and listen, I'm not even saying that's your biggest problem. I'm just saying this is where we struggle. It says, watch this, casting down imagination. He said, he said you don't wrestle against the flesh. He said, our, our weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty through the pulling down of strong heads. And then the very next verse, he says, cast down your imagination. Do you know 98% of the stuff you freak out about never happens? It's in your head. Man, Tyler, I, I can remember I was at AIT. I had gained 10 pounds somehow, and I had to do a, a, a physical training in the morning. I had to pass this PT test, and I was up all night freaking out that I wasn't going to pass. I mean, it caused straight. And now he, he went to a different um, military school than I did. In our military school, we were in two-man rooms. They were brand-new rooms. They didn't even have the green blanket. They were striped um, blankets. They were really nice. They had air conditioner, had their own private sink, own bathroom. It was luxury uh, from boot camp to that. It was, it was luxury. So I was a little bit spoiled. Uh, in fact, they had just built a brand-new barracks for the World Games, had the World Games, moved them out, and moved the soldiers in for training, and a brand-new barracks. I'm like, yeah. But about week seven, I realized that I had to pass this test the next morning, and my mind went ballistic. I mean, I went into meltdown. I was, I was up three. Of the, I was doing push-ups at three in the morning, just trying to convince myself, "You can, you can do this. You can do this." And then, then I started telling myself, "You're going to wear yourself out. You're not going to be able to pass this test. What are you doing? You're so stupid." And then I'd get up and start pacing. I'd be pacing around, like, "I'm not going to pass this test now. I've just exercised all my muscles. They're going to hurt. I'm not going to be able to pass this. I'm not going to go home. I'll never get to go home again. Ever. Why are you pacing? Now you wear yourself out. You better get some sleep." I laid down. I'm like, "I can't sleep. My mind's running crazy." At four in the morning, I finally dozed off. 4.45, here comes the wake-up calls. Drill sergeants running down the hallways, banging track. Get up, get up, get up. I'm like, oh, what? Already? This guy has played more tricks on me than anybody else. I, I, I'm trying to teach you, if you want to embrace news of life, understand this is the enemy. You, your mind, this is the enemy. This is where your problem is. Now listen, I, I know, I know physical addiction. I know, gen, I know all that type of stuff. But ultimately, this is where the battle comes down to. Either, either, either you want it or you don't want it. Either, either you truly want to embrace new life or you don't want to embrace life. It's not a game. This is why some of you struggle. If you you play and then back and play then back then play then back and then you have enough nerve to come to me and say, Pastor, it don't work. I'm like, who told you that? My mind. Okay, the devil is a liar. I, I tell all our ministers this. I tell you this same, same thing. There are three voices that will always be talking to you, Satan, yourself, and Jesus. The problem is not discerning the difference between the devil and God. The problem is discerning the difference between you and God because you get smart enough where you can start quoting Scripture and you can start manipulating things in God and you can start convincing yourself you're right and you can start justifying it by Scripture and you can do all this type of stuff. And God's like, I'm not talking. You're the one that's talking. Shut your mouth. That'll be, your biggest, that'll be your biggest problem in your spiritual journey is your voice in your mind. That will be where all your problems come from. I, I, I tell there's a few people that I'm very honest with. I tell I'm an emotional person. And when something happens, I react, and I know it's Doug Inger. I'm, I'm smart enough to know. That's why I got that whole 48-hour rule from I got to run and hide, lock the doors, turn the back, pull the shade, shut the lights off, crawl up in a fetal position, cry for about 24 hours, get up and pace for about 24 then it's over. Then I'm back to thinking normal, that type of stuff. But this is the biggest monster I wrestle with right here. This is why. This, this will stop me doing more for God than anything else right here. What if they don't receive me? What if it's, it's your imagination? Cast down imaginations and everything that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Your brain is where the problem is. How you view yourself, how you view God, how, how, you, how you operate in this all hinges on how you can think. Are, 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 you re, are you really embracing newness of life? Look, look at this, verse 6, it says, and having the readiness to, uh, to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. You've got to have this ability to check yourself and say, wait a minute, that was disobedient to God. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to bring this into obedience. 
I went off just a little bit. I'm going to get back on the track. I have this ability to do this. Listen, this goes with that whole message I just preached Sunday night. If you can't celebrate the little things, you ain't going to make it. You'll give up and say, well, I'm already this far gone. I'm just going to quit. I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to serve God. I just give up. And your brain is just messing you up. And if you don't have the ability to check that and say, wait a minute, I'm going to get back into obedience. I'm going to get back on the path. And I'm going to celebrate the little victories. And God says, now I've never found, I've never found more greater faith than this. That's, that's the whole ability. It's not what the Bible teaches very clearly. When you fall, not if you fall, when you fall, get back up. That's what the Bible teaches. And that's checking the disobedience. It, God's just not saying, well, I wanted you to walk such a perfect life and you messed up and you're worthless. No, no, God says, no, no. When you fall, just get back up. Get, get this thing in thinking right. Get back up. When you make a mistake, get back up. When, when you do something wrong, get back up. When, when, you, when you're not doing what you're supposed to do, change it. Get back up. That's the only difference between those of us that have newness of life and those of you that don't. That's the only difference is that we both make mistakes. I just have the ability to say, whoop, that was stupid. Let's do something different. That's the only difference. Well, I wasn't thinking right there. I've got to fix that. I have this ability and this readiness to revenge all disobedience so that I can bring it back into the obedience of God. Romans chapter 2. Oh, where am I at? Romans, no, let's go over to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 16. 1 Corinthians this time. Chapter number 2, verse 16. For, we, for, we, for who hath known the mind of the Lord let he, that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. This term I wanted to get in your mind. Are you thinking with the right mind? Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that which is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It's the mind. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 through 16. I just read 16, but it says this in verse 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The mind of Christ. The mind of Christ. If you want to walk in this in the newness of life, you've got to fix this. Really, it's what it is. L listen, I, I, I'm, I'm going to bring it down to, to where you are. The games you played in the world don't work in this new life. Old habits that you had don't work in this, this, this new life. You can't play the same lie game and then walk in truth and then cover and then walk in. You can't do it. This is why you haven't embraced newness of life. The things that you did to survive, I'm glad you survived, but they don't work in this new life. I, I'm glad. In fact, I, I got people come up to me all the time. Pastor, did you know so-and-so when they came to church, they were high and they, they used to drink? I'm like, no, they, they came in drunk. I'm like, no, I didn't have a clue. They well, I just got street smarts. I know they were like, okay, I'm glad you got street smarts. I really am, and I, I'm glad that you're not going to be fooled in that time. But that don't work in the new life. I mean, street smarts are good. I'm glad you got street common sense. I'm glad you do. But the problem is, is you're trying to exercise it in a spiritual mind, and it don't work. Because if you discern things the way that you discern things living on the street, you'll never live in the newness of life. It doesn't work. The way that you operate, the way that you operate in your old life does not work in your new life. i got to change a lot of things. My dad, my dad, when I grew up, my dad used to say a white lie was a good lie as long as it didn't hurt anybody. I'm like, okay, that works. So I'll just start lying to people to make them feel good about themselves. And, and God's, God's like, no, 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 no. That doesn't work. It doesn't work in the new life that God has to you. You've got to be able to exchange that carnal mind for the mind of Christ. Let's, let's go a little bit further. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, let this mind be in you, that which is also in Christ Jesus. Three voices always speaking. Let, let the mind of Christ be in you. To sin in this new life, look at what he says. He says this, Romans chapter 6, verse 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Romans chapter 6, verse 14. Verse 15 says, what then... Actually, put that up. Romans chapter 6, verse 15. 
if you live in this new life, sin doesn't have dominion over you anymore. Sin has no power over you anymore. If you're going to walk in this new life, he says, if you understand this, what then? Shall we sin because we're not under law but under grace? God forbid. Verse 16 goes on to say this. Know ye not to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey? His servants are ye to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. That's the game. That's the battle. Whoever you yield yourself to, you are servant to. And as you're coming out of your old life into your new life, you got to learn to change masters. You heard the old saying in in some of the churches, say, well, I I never gave up dancing. I just switched partners. That's why you see me dance in church. I didn't give up dancing. I just changed partners. Same thing with this. I, I haven't given up a lot of things in my personality. I just, I just submitted them to different people or to God. I just, you know, walked away from the devil and, and submitted them to God, and, and, and then all this stuff started working out. That's, that's how I made it. You, you can't play two masters. Jesus said you'll either um, end up hating one and loving the other, or you embrace one and reject the other. You can't, can't keep submitting yourself to two different masters and wonder and then come to me and say, it's not working for me. I'm glad it works for you, Pastor. I'm just glad it works for you. It just doesn't work for me. Well, you know why it works for me? Because I've only got one master. And I try with my best ability. I try to give everything to him. I submit myself to him. I don't, oh, we're recording this. I can't go very far. Colossians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3, verse 9. Watch watch what he says. Now, remember the woman at the well when she says, Jesus, I'll take this water, and he says, oh, go call thy husband. Okay, remember, and this whole point of this message is, is here's where your problem is. Colossians chapter 3, verse 9 says, Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Here's, here's what I'm about to say. Here's, here's a way. Here's something we've forgotten in church. You need to be held accountable. You need some brothers or some sisters to be able to trust with this battle, with the spiritual walk, when you can say, well, I think my mind is saying, me, saying this to me. Can you help me pray through that? Or I think this is what God's saying. Can you pray with me? You need, and, and this is what he said. If you really want to put on the new man, the old man deeds don't work anymore. So it says, it starts off right away, lie not one to another. When Jesus called her on the carpet, when Jesus said, woman, go call thy husband, he was saying, I just need a second if you're going to lie or not. Because if you're going to stop lying, if you're going to start being honest, if you're going to start being real, then we can get through this. This church, I promise you, you can go through anything you need to go through as long as you're real about it. As long as you ain't going to fake, as long as you ain't going to put up a front. I've had, I've had people sit in my car and say, Pastor, I'm trying to get off heroin. I'm like, that's cool as long as you're being honest. As long as you're being real, then Jesus is going to fix this. You start hide, hiding this. I, I, you know, even I had to say, well, I, I'm dealing. I'm dealing drugs, and I'm doing this, and I'm breaking this up. and I'm de- I, I don't need to know the details, and you really need, but I'm glad you made me accountable, and now we're going to pray about this. If you really want the newness of life, you've got to find some people you can be honest with and stop lying about. There is no lone wolf in this thing. The whole reason we started care groups is because I am desperately trying to break this church back down to five or six or 12 people that you can trust and that you can sit across a table on Tuesday maybe with a cup of coffee in your hand and say, look, I am struggling up to here with this. You cannot do this on your own. You have been given a church. The greatest gift you have been given is your brothers and sisters in this walk to say, I need to look across the table from you and say, Tyler, man to man, imano imano, I need to tell you, I need to confess to you that I am struggling with this. It's the whole, it's, it's, I started looking at this. I, in fact, before I run out of time, i got to show you all these real quick. You'll hear this over and over and over. Ephesians, or Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. Did I do 9? Verse 10 says this, And have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, That you put off concerning the former conversations of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and being renewed, verse 23, in the spirit of your mind. 
I desperately want to see, we have about, I think, seven or eight maybe getting up to 10 care groups right now. And the, some of these are prayer groups. Some of these are men-only groups. Some of these are Spanish-only groups. Some of these are um, Bible study, family Bible study groups. These are awesome, and this is why you've got to get plugged in because we got to stop talking the old way that we talked. we got to stop playing the games that we used to play. We, we can't do this, and you'll do it to yourself. This guy is a liar. This mind of mine is a liar against Jesus Christ. And if you sit home night after night staring at the wall, you'll start creating all kinds of imaginations and things, and you'll just give up and stop trying. But if you can get plugged in and say, I need to talk to somebody about this, and be honest. Don't be fake with it. I pray to God you find a care group that they can look you in the eye and call you on the carpet and say, one time in your life, look you eyeball to eyeball and say, you're a liar. You just said something that I know is not truth, and I pray that it brings repentance. I pray that it brings restoration. I pray that it fixes the old man in such a way that he dies so that the new man can live. Tyler's told me all the time, Pastor, I need you to just come yell at me one time. Just come and yell at me. And I told him Sunday night, oh, there'll be a chance where I come and yell at you but it ain't going to be over your preaching. It's not going to be over what you're teaching. It's not going to, if I got to correct him from teaching, we got a bigger problem than just that. He's not listening to what the pastor's saying if I got to correct his teaching. But what I, I told him, I said this to him, I said, Tyler, if I ever correct you, it'll be over how you treat people. I said, if I come up to you and say, Tyler, we need to talk, and we need to talk about how you handle this person, I, I said, then you know the pastor's about ready to correct you. That's about the only area that I'll ever get in and meddle with it. But I like that ability where he says, Pastor, I need you to speak in my life, even if it hurts me, even if it cuts against me, even if it brings conviction, because I want this old man to die so that the new man can live. I pray that each of you get a marriage like my, my, my wife and I where she can walk in at night and say, we need to talk about some things. I know I'm in trouble when she shuts the door and locks the door and, and pulls me to the way back corner and says, the kids can't hear. We need to get it. And, and I start raising my voice. She'll start looking at us like, the kids are in the next room. Well, we're going to talk about this right now. Okay, I'm in trouble. But I'll tell you what, I would rather have this woman correct me than anybody else. I'd rather have this woman to look me eye by eyeball and says, you need to fix some things right now. And you need to get this on. I'd rather have, this is the trust that I have in this relationship. And if you don't have that relationship, that's the goal. That's the goal. That's what you need to be able to. I got so many marriage people looking at me like I can't even tell them what they're proud because they'll get all mad, slam doors, kick the dog, run out, shoot guns, and take off in the car. And be, be, I'm like, well, then your marriage sucks. And it's not as way God intended it. What you need is to be able to sit down and say, we need to be open and honest right now. And there's some things that we need to talk about. I tell the marriage, when we have these marriage meetings all the time, I tell them this. I said, communication will either make your marriage or it will break your marriage. If you can't talk about everything, then you don't have the marriage God intended you to have. You should be able to talk about everything. Honey, I spent about $20. I spent $28 yesterday. I was at the Goodwill. Oh, really? Let's talk about that. Because you sent me to work and said I couldn't get anything to eat today because we didn't have any money in the checkbook. She didn't do that, by the way. No, she didn't do that. No, she didn't. <laughs> yeah, he didn't, she didn't tell me I couldn't eat. <laughs> have you seen that little video or whatever? That, how come wives come home and want to show their husbands everything they got? Look what I found today. And start opening up the bags. What do you think of this? Now, I bought this to go with my black shoes, but I really don't have any dress to go with it. But I went ahead and thought I should get it now. We'll find the dress later. But I found it at Walmart. It was only $6.99. I saved you about 20 bucks because normally these things go for about 30 it goes to the next bag. And, pull that. and look what I found for Xander. You won't believe what I found. I know he's not I know he's not four yet, but I found it now in case we've never seen it again. He's got three years to grow into it. But I just wanted to get it now in case, and then pull out the next thing. And look what I found for Madison. I you're not paying attention. Yes, I'm paying attention. Well, then let me tell you about my day. I went to the newest buy, and I got a five, I got three, and I got 25% off. I found 48%, then I went to a coupon, got 30% off, I got 15%. They sound like an auctioneer. I'm like, wow. I don't have a clue what you said, but it sounded like you saved me all kinds of money. Some of you got to sneak into your home and not show your husband anything because you're afraid he's going to freak out on you. You need to work on that. Accountability is huge. I'm almost done. 
Verse 23, and be you renewed in the spirit of your mind. Verse 24, and that you put on the new man, which is after God created righteousness and true holiness. You need to embrace him, verse 25. Wherefore, put away lying and speaking every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Verse 26, be not angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down in your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Verse 27. You start looking at these scriptures that talk about being a new new man, new person in Christ. It's interesting. The very first thing they say is you need to stop lying. You want to be a new man? Stop lying. You want to be a new man? Stop speaking that way. You want to be a new man? Change your conversation. You want to be a new man? Learn to communicate. You want to be a new man? Over and over, when I started looking at this and the new man, the connection with the new man, all of a sudden I started realizing there's a pattern. The mind is the problem. What comes out of my mouth, mouth needs to be fixed. If I want to live and if I want to embrace the newness, I've got to find some people I can be honest with and start telling the truth. Over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Why don't you stand with me? This is why care groups are going to become so important to this ministry and to to your life. And I give you the permission. If you find someone that starts running their mouth in in your care group and starts spreading all the rumors, you're trying to be honest and, and say, oh, I'm struggling with this and that, and someone in that care group starts spreading that, you need to kick them out of that group. I'm being honest. You, you need to get rid of The Bible talks about separating. Is someone going to run their mouth because you shared something in a care group with, with some trusted brothers and sisters, and they went around and started telling the people, bye-bye. Find a different care group. Tyler's got a men's care group. Maybe you can go there. But they're a woman. Well, we're trying to find them a place. Can I? You can let them go. It's okay. You can let them go. We're done. Let me pray for you. The the whole point of this is I want you to embrace the change. Even if you've been in for 20 years, wouldn't you like everything that God has for you? Maybe you got to go back and start doing some things different. It's okay. Maybe you got to do some things different. He sees the drums. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that people in this church start embracing the new life that you have offered. God, I pray that they experience every dream and everything that they've ever wanted to do in Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, for what you have given us. And thank you, God, that there are people in this church embracing all of that change and embracing all of that stuff. We'll give you honor and glory for everything you've done and everything you're going to do. We love you, Jesus. We need you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. Shake hands one with another. You can go ahead and hit stop.